0: hello friends i'm renee and i'm anna and you're listening to fangirl happy hour anna how are you doing today
1: i'm I had a rough day, but I'm ready to record. This gives me joy and I need some joy.
0: There's probably going to be some joy this time around. Today, we're going to do some feedback and updates. Then we're going to talk about culture, i.e. our Everything's on Fire column. Then we'll dive into our media discussions with an analysis of Another Castle by Andrew Wheeler and Paulina Ganeshaw. Our Happier Favorites... And then we're going to discuss the Locus Awards that came out recently. Are you ready, Anna? I'm ready. Let's dive in. So we get a lot of updates and feedback and stuff on Twitter and Tumblr and via email. So I thought that I would collect some and read them and then comment on your comments to steal a catchphrase from one of my favorite youtubers grace helbig paul on twitter said on a recent episode of fangirl podcast renee and anna talked about all systems read by martha wells and i knew i had to grab it after that paul this was the correct decision i approve of your life choices
1: isn't it grace i love when that happens because i get the feeling that we are spreading the joy like, we loved something so much, and now we know that someone else is going to pick it up and rage that thing, based on our opinions. And of course, there's an element of fear, but, like, what if they hate it? But, and like, how could anyone rage that novella?
0: It's so good. And there's going to be more. There's going to be more. In fact, a sequel to All Systems Red, Artificial Condition, comes out on January 30th, 2018.
1: how do you know that? I didn't even know there was a title.
0: Yeah, I follow the news.
1: Wow.
0: Flex those pre-order buttons, guys. It's coming. Next, Caitlin, or Kitty G on YouTube. She's one of my favorite BookTubers. She said, currently listening to Fangirl Podcast once more. I go through phases of podcast listening, but it's nearly always this one. My favorite. It's so sweet. Ah, no. Thank you, Caitlin. That's so nice. Trends and dancing on Twitter said for those recently was it via Fangirl podcast or Galactic Suburbs on pies versus Pop pies? Anna, did we discuss pot pie? Savory pot pie. We did talk about savory pies
1: because they were my favorite pies, right? Yeah, definitely pies.
0: So it might have been us. They also included a link to like 25 pot pie recipes. And there are pot pie recipes there that you might even like because they don't have any meat in them. Defeats the purpose, but whatever. I'm going to put the link to those recipes in our show notes. Vegetables
1: are nice and chunky like meat. But they're not meat. Thank God for
0: that. We're going to have a fight about veganism versus a carnist. That's what you are. Wednesday, Gail on Tumblr said, This episode arrived in time to brighten my workday. I love getting messages like this because it makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Like, oh, we made somebody's day better! I made somebody's day better by posting an episode and not being a lazy asshole. Good job, self.
1: We made her happy and therefore we made her more productive. Exactly.
0: In response to our recent Hugo episode, James Borden said to us via email, I took their word for it that best series represents the way people consume SF nowadays and nominated Shishin Lu, the whole thing. I'm confident enough that Vajol will win it that I may not bother to vote. First order of business. If you don't vote, you don't count. You've got to vote. I mean, you don't gotta. You can opt out. But when you don't vote, your voice is not part of the decision-making process. Plus, you never know. You never know how close a vote is going to be. Who do you think is going to win Best Series, Anna? Predict.
1: I think it's going to be the Bujold one or the Temeraire series. I would be surprised if anything else won. Although Shana Maguire seems to be very popular, maybe not popular enough to win, the one that I would like to win would be the Craft Sequence series by Max Gladstone.
0: I think Shana Maguire is popular enough to win. I just don't think the people who love her books participate in the Hugo Awards. So when your fan base is not participating, it can be hard to win anything. P.S. I'm definitely voting for that series. Somebody needs to finish the series. Oh my
1: god, I knew this was going to happen. I bet this whole conversation about the series was just so we could get to this point and you tell me to read it. It was part of a cunning plan that started with the person we mailed you.
0: Yes, James, that's right. I used your question in order to blackmail Anna into reading the series via shame.
1: No, you didn't use his
0: question. You got him to ask the question. You set this whole thing in motion. I'm not playing three-dimensional chess. I can't even play regular chess. <laughs> anyway, James, my advice, and I think Anna's advice too, is vote for the things you love. That's the whole point of the Hugo Award. I'm so freaking A Adishu Shed on Twitter said, Thanks for reminding me of MRL's unbelievable SGA works in the most recent podcast. Thank you. Did you also go down the rabbit hole of rereading a bunch of SGA fanfic? Because I definitely did. Anna is just like, I don't know what this is all about. I have no idea. Anonymous on Tumblr said, Hey, I heard your recent episode about Stargate and was wondering if you know about another series with eel-like aliens. Animorphs? The books, not the TV show. The early books are quite good, but they're surprisingly brutal for middle grade books. Anna, have you read Animorphs?
1: I have heard of these books, but I have not read them.
0: Have you? I have read five or six of them. I first saw the show and one of my friends had the first three books. So I read the first three books and then my library had a few more and I read those. But here's the saddest story. A few years ago, I got my hands on a copy of all the Animorphs books in PDF form. And I don't know what happened to it. I think my stupid computer ate it because I was on Windows at the time. And so now I will never get to reread and finish this series. I'm so bitter. That's my sad Animorph story. But this person is right about the brutality. These do not read like middle grade books at all. So what are Animorphs? Is it like, are they part animal? They can morph into animals, yes. And then there's some bad guys who are controlled by little parasites. So thanks to everybody who sent us comments and emails and Twitter messages. Thank you for your feelings. I appreciate them.
1: I appreciate them too. And please send more.
0: Meanwhile, we have some updates. We are going to change our $5 Patreon level due to shipping shenanigans. I.e. I was quoted a price that was not the actual price with shipping. So we're looking for suggestions of new or different $5 reward levels. We're also looking for reward levels for $7 and $10 backer levels. So if you have any suggestions, please send them along to us via email. On the plus side, our fanzine is being created right now and will soon go out to people who were $5 backers.
1: Renee gave me a task to write something light and fluffy about Brazil that would be related to language and culture. And I ended up on a rant about everything you can think of. Like in this one post, There's something about native Indians from Brazil, as well as Girl from Ipanema and why I hate that song. You're welcome. Only if you are a patron, you can
0: get that rant
1: in your hands.
0: For $5, you can get that rant from Anna.
1: At the moment, it's cheap. (laughs)
0: We might still do a fanzine. Somebody suggested that we maybe do it digitally instead, but I don't know how popular that would be. But that is an option for us to continue to do the content of the fanzine, but in a file instead.
1: If you have any other ideas, just let us know.
0: Our previous Outside the Echo Chamber has become Everything's on Fire. My cultural item today is a article that I read on PBS.org about a political group in West Virginia. West Virginia voted for Trump. This article talks about the women in this town who, after the election, started getting politically active. It's a fascinating article because these women are living in this extremely, extremely conservative place. They struggle to protest. There's a story in the article about how when they were protesting the travel ban, there was a counter protest where men came out with their trucks and spun up dirt and smoke to attack and intimidate them. When I was reading this article, I felt like this could be people here. People that I know here could be saying these same things and have said some of the same things said in this article to me. If you want kind of an idea of what my political life is like, you should go read this article. Because although it's about West Virginia, it can also apply to many rural places in America right now. So on one hand, reading this article made me go, wow, even in conservative rural places, people are still pushing back. People are still fighting. And it's not hopeless. You can find your people. You're not alone. Then, of course, the article ends with a perspective from the other side who were just like, you can't protest a loss. Grow up. That statement, you can't protest a loss. This idea that you just have to accept it and sit down. Treating politics like sports is really strange to me. So anyway, I have a lot of feelings about this article. Because it's like my life right now. I'm struggling a lot. But it's good to know that there are other women in rural places trying to make things work and push back.
1: I am tired. In more ways than just physically. But I'm all, although also physically. And it sometimes it feels like it's a battle uphill. Well, it is a battle of hill, the battle that we are fighting in multiple fronts, or we're trying to, at least. And I think that brings me to my pick, because it's somewhat related to it, because it's related to resistance and revolution and movement and looking at history and seeing how things have affected or not your country. And when I say your country, I mean the United States. My pick is from a Twitter thread that I saw the other day. That was I thought it was brilliant. It was by uh, Samuel Sinyangwe. I'm pretty sure I just mangled his name, for which I apologize. And he's at Swamzy on Twitter. He's a black activist and data scientist and policy analyst. And he was in Barbados. He tweeted pictures of a monument that he's seen there. And the monument is a representation of someone named Busa, who led a revolt against slavery in 1816. He continues to talk about on that same thread, talking about how he grew up in the U.S., seeing different kinds of statues and different kinds of monuments, and most of them celebrating Confederate soldiers fighting to keep black people enslaved and how that is a recurring thing across America. The conversation that you keep having is the one that is to keep or bring down pro-slavery monuments, but no one talks about building monuments anti-slavery or to celebrate figures that fought against slavery. And then the thread gets amazing because then a lot of people come in and start adding their own pictures from other uh, Latin America countries, Central America countries, and even some countries in Africa with pictures of similar monuments from those countries. And I was going to step in and, and add one from Brazil, but someone else beat me to that. And because in Brazil, we also have a monument that celebrates a guy called Zumbi who led a revolt. Basically, he created a town in the middle of Brazil that had at one point 30,000 escapee slaves. In Rio de Janeiro, where I'm from, we even have a day, there is a holiday that nobody works to celebrate this guy. I thought it was a beautiful thread, but also it made me think how America still hasn't faced that part of their history head on. And that's probably what causes so many problems still.
0: I saw this thread go by, but I couldn't read it. It just made me sick to my stomach. Not because the threat is bad, the threat is great, I'm sure. Just because I live in the South. I was taught in school that's a Civil War, literally the words, the War of Northern Aggression, were used in classrooms. And there are Civil War monuments in my county. There's one that says, Sons of Confederate Veterans. Like it's a monument to Sons of Confederate Veterans. There is a big sign um, at the Craighead County Courthouse. Or at least there was. I remember it, but I don't know if it's still there. Um, and it says The Battle of Jonesboro took place at the Craighead County Courthouse in Jonesboro, Arkansas, on August 2, 1862. Company 1, 30th Arkansas Infantry of the 5th Trans Mississippi Confederate Army, under the command of Captain Mitchell A. Adair, defeated Company 1, 1st Wisconsin Cavalry of the United States Army of the Southwest, under the command of Lieutenant Charles L. Porter. Seven Yankees and one Confederate were killed in the battle. And this is a kind of sign that we get. This war was about enslaving human beings. And the type of monuments you see will always be about Confederate soldiers. Not about the people who were enslaved and beaten and raped and murdered. A few years ago on some social media site, this woman posted a video of this white couple yelling and screaming at her. This white woman was in this white well, woman's face going, we used to own you. We used to own you. It was out of Texas. And so the fact that our monuments are to people who were trying to keep a system of enslavement of human beings in place and not to the people who were treated so horribly, like we haven't faced it. We haven't unpacked it. We haven't dealt with it or processed it as a country, especially the South. So if you look at that thread and you see how other countries have processed their own terrible history, until the U.S. does that, we're going to continue dealing with this problem. We're just going to keep creating the same systems of oppression in new ways. And I think that thread is a perfect indication if you want to see how we need to react to our history. That thread is a good way to see where we need to start. So yeah, until the South breaks out of the false history that we built up, after reconstruction failed until we uh, say as a region no we do not accept this this is wrong nothing's going to change not here sorry to hijack your item
1: no that's fine uh, you know much better than me of course you are from there i am like nothing but a bystander to that history but knowing that even when you've face those issues it doesn't necessarily mean that all problems will be magically solved as in the case of brazil where there's so much internalized racism still but perhaps not in the same way as in america well aren't we a barrel of laughs
0: On to happier topics. Let's not depress our listeners any more than we have to. We read Another Castle Grimoire by Andrew Wheeler and Paulina show. It is a graphic novel about Misty, who is a princess from the kingdom of Baldora, and how she goes on an adventure and ends up saving the neighboring kingdom, with a little help from her friends. I loved this comic. Did you? Yeah, I think I had some problems with the first two issues where the writing was not as tight as it got in the last three issues. But overall, I think it was very cute. It's a very adorable middle grade comic.
1: That's so interesting that you say that because I thought it was so well put together in terms of providing a type of narrative that flowed From one issue to the other, to the point where I felt here more than in any other trade that I've read recently, that there was just one story being told. And it was epic fantasy in graphic novel format, condensed to its bare details, but the most essential and important ones. The girl that goes on a quest to find herself ends up saving a whole kingdom, except that the kingdom kind of saves themselves with her help because there was already a revolution brewing and democracy is better than monarchy.
0: In the cutest possible way. I like what you say about it being epic fantasy because there is a lot of different storylines in here that mesh really well. The reason I say that I had trouble with the writing in the first two issues is that it really digs in on the trope part. It's really pulling all these fantasy tropes forward in not a really subtle way. So on top of all the tropes and the writing, I was like, oh no, oh no, I'm nervous. This really got 100% better by that third issue. It's like everything folded together. And I think probably it's because I read it issue by issue that I'm maybe having this problem because I reread it. In like a whole collection. And it flowed together much better for me. Yeah, that's how I read it. I really liked that it incorporates all sorts of different relationships. In not a heavy-handed way. Like especially Fogmoth, who is Missy Shaler, Who becomes her friend. Like has a relationship with Robin. Who is the heir to the Grimoire throne. But doesn't want a monarchy anymore. He wants the people to rule themselves. And it's just really casual And I really like when that happens. Also, Misty gets to have a close female friend. Uh, Gorga helps Misty. And Misty helps Gorga find confidence in her own skills. It was a great female friendship. I was super happy with it.
1: Yeah, there's like each character had their own mini arcs. I felt like they folded into Misty's story. Even though she was the protagonist, they had their own time in the spotlight. Without detracting from the overall story. Gorga, for example, has her arc of not knowing about her powers and also kind of like having a crush on the guy that was coming to save Misty, the the prince, who turns out not to be a complete asshole, which was also kind of nice. He was just like really earnest. So this is why I think that it kind of subverted a lot of tropes in that way too.
0: Pete, the guy who technically Misty was supposed to marry and came to rescue her, Misty does this thing so Pete won't get hurt on his way to Grimoire. And because she does whatever she does, I don't want to spoil it because it's so good. He ends up meeting monsters like as friends and not like as enemies. So he gets to know all these monsters. It was a really super sweet way to show hey, if you sit down with people you might have a problem with and talk to them and learn about them you're going to find common ground. It was such like a really nice way to like have that message in the book but to not make it didactic because it's part of his arc as a character.
1: Yes, I also loved the three sisters who had the powers of foresight and the one that just saw the present which was like, what? And the one that saw the past, which was, I, I love that kind of thing. I love that it's a recurring archetype in fiction to have the, the figures of the three women that together can work with time in different ways. And I lo- I just love that trope so much. And I thought it, w- it was done really well because they were kind of like older ladies, too. And they had a mini arc. Because two of the sisters were estranged from one of the third sister. And they kind of like got together in the end.
0: This graphic novel really uses tropes in a great way. It just pulled all the tropes it could forward. And then went, I'm going to make this interesting. I'm going to do something cool with this. And I really think it knocked it out of the park on taking the tropes and refreshing them. But I don't think we can go any farther without mentioning the art in this comic. I've said before that I find Polina Show's art. Amazing. I compared it to watching a cartoon almost because it's so animated and bright. A lot of dark things happen in this graphic novel. Like, there's some stuff about Misty's mom. There's stuff about Grimoire before Misty came to it that happened. And, like, in any other artist's hands, it might have been almost a depressing comic. But because Paulina Gunnar Show's art is so vibrant and colorful, it keeps it upbeat. Even when the dark things are happening, it doesn't, like, it doesn't make you despair the art makes sure you stay like above that line. Cause yes, bad things happen, but you're not like sinking into this really awful sadness that they happened. And I thought that was really well done. Especially since this is a comic that's going to get pushed to kids a lot. It's very colorful and it uses very
1: bright colors like pink and purple to really great effect.
0: At the end, we get the sense that Misty is going to go on more adventures later, and I really wish that we would be able to see more of what she does in the future. The graphic novel really draws a line between monarchy and democracy, having people in power versus people ruling themselves. What in the world is Misty going to do in a world ruled by democracy?
1: She's going to be a warrior? A president. I need a fanfic. fanfic. Do, do we know if there's going to be more? I don't know.
0: I really wish there could be Oni Press. I really like this comic, and I think you should maybe get more from Andrew Wheeler and Paulina Gunnar Show. Give them a longer run of something. Or a sequel to this. I absolutely agree. How many space views would you give this? Four. I would also give this four. This was so charming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. July now, and we have reached the half-year mark. It's time for us to talk about some of the media that we enjoyed in 2017. At this time of the year, I always do a count to
1: check my stats of how many books I've read, and I am like, so sad that I only read 35 books so far this year. But I've given three of them a 10. Wow. Last year, the whole of last year, I did not give a single book a 10. I think I already have five of my top 10 of the year, and I still have to reach the Mega Wayne Antonin, the Unlucky, the K Elliott, the NK Jamzin, the Yoon Lee. I'm fucked. My top five so far are All Systems Red by Martha Wells, which has one of the best voices and a fantastic narrator in Murderbot. It's fantastic, it's hilarious, and also very heartwarming because it's about identity. The next one is When Depot Met Rishi by Sandhya Menon. That one is a contemporary YA about two Indian kids that meet and they are supposed to get married, but the girl doesn't quite want that because she's not so much into tradition as the boy is. But they meet and they become kind of friends, and it's adorable, it's charming, and it deals really well with that friction between tradition and modernity within that particular community. The next one is another contemporary YA novel. It's The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. It's probably my favorite book of the year so far. It's also about a young woman whose best friend dies. They are both black and they were inside a car and the guy didn't do anything and he he gets killed by a cop. And it's very much about what do you do as a person when something like this happens, when you are so involved, when you know the person that died and you have those feelings of, do I fight for this? Do I go public? How do you conciliate the personal and the social and the political and... And who you are, basically. And it's a brilliant, beautiful, really hard-to-read novel. But very hopeful in the end with some of the best parents that I have read ever. The next one is another one that we talked here on the podcast. The Stars of Legion by Cameron Hawley. I still think this book is really surreal and out there in the way that it has its narrative. But I loved unreli- Unreliable Narrators. I loved the romance. I loved the arc of the main character that goes from having no memory to deciding what to do with her life again. And there's a lineament of found families and that was brilliant. And finally, I have one that is a middle grade novel. This is one of the ones that I gave a 10. And it's Squirrel Meets World by Dean Hale and Shannon Hale and it's a Squirrel Girl novel and it's hilarious it's funny it's everything that you love about Squirrel Girl from comics in a f- novel format and it's it's great for kids it's great for adults. it's great for everybody really and those are my picks are you gonna read Dimple Bat Rishi I'm gonna try it I'm really picky
0: with contemporary. why it's so charming I think you would love it what are your picks I also put All Systems Red by Martha Wells on my list everybody should just go read it Another book that I loved was War Child by Karen Loichi. This is a book about Joss, who is kidnapped from his original spaceship where he lived with his parents by pirates, and he lives with a pirate for one year until he tries to escape and then is taken by the other side of this war that's happening, the aliens and their human sympathizers. This is a book about war. It's a really emotionally gutting novel. My next pick is Hidden Figures, the movie starring Chanel Monae, Octavia Spencer, and Taraji P. Henson about the black women who were part of the NACA that became NASA. Oh, this movie. And every time I think about this movie, I just get all these little warm fuzzies. I love this movie so much. My next pick is Steven Universe Season 1. So I went to Wiscon, and at Wiscon, I met Amal al and she talked up Steven Universe so much and so well that I was like, okay, I'm going for it. I'm doing it. It's a middle grade cartoon about a little boy who lives on a planet with three guardians who are crystal gems, Amethyst, Pearl, and Garnet. And Steven is half crystal gem because his mom was a crystal gem. I have so many gay feelings about this show. It's just so queer and beautiful. And the songs are great, too. Highly recommended.
1: There are songs?
0: Yes. If you like middle grade stuff, Anna, you've got to watch the show. I no, know. I've had it on my to-watch list, but I just can't find it in the UK. Oh, that's bad. I need to figure out how to solve this problem for you. Don't worry. I'm on it. <laughs> my last choice. This is the greatest moment of my life. Go on. Say it. My last pick for my favorite book so far of 2017 is Thick as Thieves by Megan Whalen Turner.
1: I am so happy.
0: I'm just going to point out right now that somebody has not even read this book yet. I read it before her. I'm probably going to write some fanfic before she even gets it read. I mean, how do you read your
1: most expected book of the past Five years. I have fears.
0: You need to read it, Anna. It's great. I have
1: fears. But
0: it's good. They are not small. They are big fears.
1: And I have not yet been able to sit down and beat these fears into submission enough for me to actually read this book. It will be read. But it's just great that it's on your list. I'm
0: just so happy. Well, I had a great 2017 so far, book-wise. I actually read 98 books. But you have to subtract, so you don't feel bad, Anna. You have to subtract 42 books from that. Why? Because 42 of those are one piece. You read 42 already? 42 volumes, yes.
1: Holy shit. I don't know why you, you would want us to subtract them. Those babies
0: are massive. I'm just saying that with sequential art it gets really easy to pat out your numbers and be like how are you reading so much sequential art now I'm much better at it I've had practice I can kind of whip through it that still leaves you with over 50 books but yeah it's half year yes it is and I only read 35 well yeah but you have 8 zillion jobs stop publishing so much fiction Anna I can't choose less (laughs) fiction and more books or more fiction and less books those are your choices
1: the choice that i face myself every day when i look in the mirror
0: okay out of your book list what one book would you have everybody who is listening to us right now read oh shit
1: do i recommend the light fluffy fun read or do i recommend the one that goes straight to your gut your choice i'm gonna say the
0: hate you give by angie thomas how about you i would have everybody read war child by karen lowichi does that book end well it's not a super depressing ending It's got a bittersweet ending. Sounds good. So everybody go read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas and War Child by Karen Loichi. Those are your assignments.
1: And tell us what are your favorite books so far this year so that we can add more to our To Be Our List.
0: Recently, the Locust Awards were awarded in Seattle. The winners were Des In by Shishin Lu for SF Novel. All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie J. Anders for Fantasy Novel. The Fireman by Joe Hill for Horror Novel. Revenger by Alistair Reynolds for YA Novel. Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee for First Novel. Every Heart of Doorway by Shanann McGuire for Novella. You'll surely drown here if you stay by Alyssa Wong for Novelette and Seasons of Glass and Iron by Amal El Motar, short story. What on this list of winners have you read?
1: All the Birds in the Sky and Nine Fox Gambit and Every Heart to Dow How about
0: you? I've read All the Birds in the Sky Revenger, and Non-Fox Gambit.
1: Okay, so what do you think of the winners?
0: I really was pulling for Company Town by Madeline Ashby to win Science fiction Novel, mm. although I know that it's hard to compete with a series that has momentum. I would have also not been sad if Babylon's Ashes by James S. A. Corey had won.
1: Ah, uh, really?
0: Surprise! I really loved Babylon's Ashes a whole lot.
1: I actually only read Company Town out of those. I keep seeing the Underground Railroad... And I'm really curious to see how is that science fiction?
0: I don't know, but it's showing up on a lot of our lists. In the fantasy category, I'm super happy with All the Birds in the Sky. I really liked it. I'm Mm -hmm. super fascinated to see what Charlie Jane does next. Yeah. Also, I geek out a lot when I think about Charlie Jane, because at WISCON, like, we walked toward dinner together, and she was like, oh, yeah, I read your blog. What? What? Excuse me? You read what? She's like, oh, yeah, it's great. I'm like, what? Why? You're you and I'm me. What are you what? I ended up nagging myself to Charlie Jane. Don't do that, guys. Don't do that. I know it's hard if you get come up to somebody you like super admire and you're just like, Oh, you're so cool. Don't neg yourself. Just be like, thank you. <laughs> it's hard though. So yeah, I'm really excited to see what Charlie Jane does next. But you know I'm torn because the skate was on this list. I know.
1: And the Winged Histories too, which I really loved. Was one of my top ten last year. I have some dealings.
0: I know nothing about horror category, although the only book I did read here, The Family Plot, I didn't think it was that scary.
1: I thought it was, as you remember.
0: Uh, Yes. But Jenny recommended Hex by Thomas Ode Hüvelt.
1: I really liked it.
0: I might actually try it.
1: I read certain dark things. I also don't consider it very scary or horror at all. I think it's more urban fantasy, and it's in Mexico City, and it has vampires, but eh, I wouldn't call it scary. I would have put this into the fantasy novel category, but.
0: Then we have young adult. Ugh. I have a lot of feelings about this.
1: This year's list is a little bit better
0: than most years because usually it tends to be all... White dudes who have crossed over, but mostly write adult fiction. I think it's a question of the demographics
1: of who reads Locus who votes for Locus Awards. It's probably less YA-focused people or more science fiction and fantasy. They will probably know more of those authors that have, you know...
0: Oh, yeah, that's definitely the thing. But if you don't know YA, why are you nominating and voting in the category?
1: But, you know, Poison Blades was here, and so was
0: this Savage Song. How do you feel about Revenger having one? Not great, because Revenger is not a YA novel. It's not a YA novel at all, in any way, shape, or form. Why is it here? Because a white dude wrote some fiction that had teen girl protagonists, and people went, oh, teen girl protagonists, it's obviously YA. No. So why do you think it's not YA? Just the tone of the book itself. Revenger is a fun novel. I just don't think it's a YA novel. And I don't think it should be winning YA awards. Fair enough. Controversial opinion. But yes, Poison Blade was here. I'm very excited to see Poison Blade here. I hope everybody is planning to read Buried Heart, which comes out very soon. July 25th. Did you read
1: it? Not yet. Okay. Can you read just the end and tell me what happened? No!
0: (laughs) I am very excited because I got, I called it an ARC on Twitter, but then Kate pointed out, hey, that's not an ARC, that's a finished copy, and not even I have that yet. Look at you. I don't know who at this publishing company likes me, but they like me a lot, and I'm thankful. Thank you, guys. First novel, not Fox Gambit, won the first novel category, which is right. That's absolutely fine. Accurate. But another novel I was kind of rooting to win was Everfair by Nisi Shaw. Listen, at WisCon, Nisi Shaw was at WisCon and we were sending a line to go into the guest of honor speeches and Nishi Shaw was there and I was like, There's Nisi Shaw. I could go over and tell her I really liked her book. Poor KJ and Ira. I just kept hemming and hawing. I'm like, I can do it, but I'm scared. I can do it, but I'm scared. Finally I did it and it was fine. And she told me a great story about the goddess in the book and how their symbolism was bees. I was like, I love bees. And I don't remember what I said. I hope I didn't make an ass of myself. Awesome. I want more people to read Everfair.
1: I really liked that one, but I also was kind of rooting for the Star Touch Queen. No, well, no, I was not. I was rooting for Nine Fox Gambit. But if it wasn't here, maybe the Star Touch Queen, which I really loved.
0: Novella, Every Heart of Doorway one. Nobody is surprised. I really loved that one. Also, I don't recognize anything else here except for the dispatcher and i'm going to blow everybody's minds here and admit that i have not yet read the dispatcher about john Skelsey.
1: i read the lost child of lich the dream press of a Al- bow hammer's on bone and Aubame- then every heart of the away they were all very good they're all tor.com publishing they are doing such great work with the i'm very jealous
0: Alisa Wong, You'll Surely Drown Here If You Stay, one novelette. This is another category where I just realized, holy shit, I'm so behind on short fiction. I have not read a single one of them. You know, what happened to us? We were doing so well, and then... Life. uh, Seasons of Glass and Iron by Amal El-Motar, one short story. And again here, shame. Yeah,
1: complete shame.
0: What on any of these lists do you think you're going to read? I
1: still really want to read After Atlas by Emma Newman. I really want to read The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead because I'm so curious about it. I really want to read the Lois Lane books by Gwenda Bond. The Girl Who Drank the Moon by Kelly Barnhill, which apparently is awesome. Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo, which is the sequel to Six of Crows, which I still need to read too. I think that's it. I mean, I would li- I'd like to have time to read all the short stories and novelettes, but I don't know.
0: My only appeal to Locus Award folks the next time that this award comes around is please don't nominate things that aren't way novel. <laughs> Keep working on it guys. I believe in you. It's time for recommendations. What have you got for us? I've got two recommendations. Ha
1: ha, I did it this time, I broke the rules and I beat you in your own game. So I've got a book and a movie. The book is The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue by Mackenzie Lee. And it's a YA novel that just came out. Basically, I read on the same day that it came out. Like I read in the morning, then I read on my lunch break, and then I came home and then I read until I was done with it. It was that good. It's charming and it's set in the 18th century in England where you have this 17-year-old boy who is about to go on the grand tour of Europe with his best friend, who he's in love with, and his younger sister. So the idea in his mind is that they're just going to go and have a grand old time, have lots of fun, get drunk, and he'll probably try to hook up with boys and girls because he's sexual. And of course, this is just his narrative, because he's a white, privileged son of a lord who's about to inherit a fortune. At first, he reads like a very naive person in a way that he is. But the more you read the book, the other facets of his personality come in, and then you realize that things are not as rosy as they are. But he's still kind of like a rake, and he just wants to have fun. And he's deeply love with his best friend, who he doesn't know if he's gay or not. And the best friend is mixed race. And that poses a lot of problems. And then you start to peel away so many layers in this book. At the same time, it's still so funny and so light, but also so deep. I just love it so much. And there are like alchemy and pirates and highwaymen and lots of danger. The evolution of these characters is so great. I just loved it to bits. The other thing that I'm recommending is Spider-Man Homecoming. This is the best Spider-Man movie of all, and I would even say one of the best Marvel movies in the franchise, even though it's a Sony picture. So anyway, it's the best Spider-Man. Tom Holland is awesome at it, but it also has amazing cameos, has a great arc in terms of what kind of hero he wants to be because he's kind of like he's so earnest he's like i just want to be an avenger but he's only 15 years old and how do you reconcile that and in many ways it reminds it reminds me of kamala khan's uh, miss marvel how she struggles to be a teenager and have so much responsibility and it's the same thing with peter parker in this movie and please go see it what do you recommend renee
0: I have one rec for a podcast. It's called Hellbent. It is hosted by Devin and Sarah. And it is about politics. If you're looking for a good politics podcast that is by women, I would highly recommend you check this one out. I got this right from Diana, bookish Die on Twitter. Once she read it to me and I started it, I never looked back. It's so refreshing. They are foul melted and super thorough on issues to discuss. Their episodes run really long sometimes because on Thursdays they do interviews, but the interviews are always fascinating, and some of the stuff going on right now is so confusing and complicated and convoluted that I just don't have, like, the mental energy to dig through it all sometimes. I'm just tired. I really like that they take the time to read everything, do the research, and then come and explain it to their listeners in such a easy-to-understand thorough way it's lovely i highly recommend it if you want some context about american politics that's not filtered through a perspective of a cisgender white man which is a problem that i was having before devin and sarah speak to me
1: i just subscribed to it and i'm downloading the first episode
0: already a win for my recommendation so anna tell everybody what we'll be discussing next time
1: it's gonna be a vote episode sponsored by
0: patreon
1: we are reading and discussing The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, which is going to be the first time that I'm actually
0: reading this book. I'm so excited. I am so scared. No, it's going to be great, you'll see. It's the end of episode 87 and we made it through without tears. It's a win. Our music this week is by Cheeky Beats and Boxcat Games. Our show art was made by Ira. You can find links to their work in our show notes, plus information about the media we discussed. Susan creates our excellent transcripts, and you can read them on our website at fangirlhappyhour.com.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Girl Podcast for more antics during the week. Our email is frangirlhappyhour at gmail.com and we always love hearing from you. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, which we would really, really appreciate. Just pretend the stars are space bees and you will be fine.
0: Drink some water, get some sleep, contact your reps. Thank you.
1: Look history in the eye and do not, under any circumstances, build a Confederate monument. The world do not need more of those.
0: Thanks for listening, Space Beast. See you next episode. really uncertain
1: it <laughs> like it was really scared me there for a second
0: but anna you're so charming why wouldn't people want to listen to you multiple times is banana bread a bread or a cake oh no do not self-reject i'm not gonna self-reject thank I've, you i stopped
1: myself before doing that who is sending me messages it's me no it's not
0: you oh okay
1: Ain't nobody gonna break my stride. Oh no, I got to keep on moving. I'm making hand motions because I, I forgot the words.
0: New rumor for me to spread Anna is anti democracy.
1: Oh my god, so cool! Cool, cool, cool. Cool is my trying to say cool, but coming out with cute. It's just, oh my god, I'm so. The words are broken. Listen, as long as you vote for us. (laughs) I don't care about anything else.